Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of Bold Predictions here on the Inside Nebraska YouTube channel. He's Steve Mark, he's Greg Smith, and I'm Zach Carpenter. And today we're previewing uh, Illinois hosting Nebraska, both two and three teams. Uh, sort of a, not even sort of, it's, it's a swing game for both of these teams. I mean, the winner has a chance to have this be the, the reset point, uh, turning point, and get to 500 and stay in the thick of the Big Ten West race, believe it or not. And the loser will have its uh, odds of reaching a bowl game significantly impacted uh, as, uh, as we go forward the last six games of the season or so. So, Steve, any initial thoughts from uh, uh, for Friday? Yeah, uh, you know, obviously the Michigan game was terrible. It was ridiculous, as Matt Rule and Tony White said. But the good news for Husker fans, these next seven games and the upcoming schedule, they're all winnable. Um, you know, I've tried to do my research, my due diligence on Illinois. Not a good football team. Uh, they're not anything like they were last year. They have taken a step back, and that's good news for Nebraska. Um, I, I, You know, Friday night games, they can get weird. Um, under the lights, especially in Champaign with, with these two programs. Um, but I think this is a really winnable game for the Huskers. So uh, it's going to be really interesting to go there and see the vibe around the place. It's going to be sleepy. These are two teams that don't really attract a lot of juice nationally. Um, I, I know Nebraska is relevant because people watch Nebraska on TV. But And the good thing is, I guess, playing on a Friday night, there's only two other, there's only one other game that night um, on TV. So a lot of eyes are going to be on this Nothing one. Nothing like a Nebraska, Illinois spotlight game to yeah, get everyone's people, juices yeah. rolling for week six. People are going to be forced to watch this one. So it's, it's, I don't know. I'm really excited about it just for what this could mean for Nebraska's season going forward. And uh, the goal of reaching the postseason and getting that magical six win mark. This is huge. If Nebraska can do it, um, that bodes well for uh, reaching that goal. If they can't, it's not that's not a good, good great start for the real start of the season in my opinion which is right now on friday night yeah i pick off right where you left off because i it's exactly why i'm excited for this game um is that this to me signals the real start of nebraska season i felt like mm -hmm. that michigan game was kind of a break where listen it was going to not, it was never going to be a good game for Nebraska, right? It's just not a good matchup. And I think, I forget, if it may have been Jeff Ekstrom, it may have been Eustace, somebody on the staff mentioned to me that if you looked out there on the field um, last Saturday, Michigan was better at every single position on the field. And it was not, that's not a debate. That's not being funny. That is like legit. Like they were better at every single position. And so you just don't expect a team to be able to, to win that game for sure. Now, do you want to see more fire out of them sure like I, I think that that's fair and I do think that that is reflective in how the the tone that we've heard all week from the players and the coaches especially the coaches um that we've heard from namely Matt Rule and, and Tony White this week and I really like that um but I'm very fired up for this game for the simple fact that it is a huge deal for this program moving forward you have to win this game to boost your bowl chances because you but also if you lose this 
the kind of signals that you really could lose to any of the teams remaining on the schedule, right? And I would add that the to build some momentum in this program right now would be such a big thing because I don't know that you're ever, and this is, I don't know if this is hyperbole, that you will ever see an easier finish to the schedule for Nebraska football. Like, I don't know if it'll be possible. And so it's just, it, it all adds up to a random sleepy Friday night game in which their stadium has already been on fire this week in, in Champaign to now, like, that's a monumental game for Nebraska's football program. It sounds weird, but I think it's very valid. Yeah, I mean, I've said this now, this is probably like the third or fourth time saying this or writing it um, in private or rapid recap video that we did on Monday, what have you. Um, when when we did, when I did my game-by-game -game predictions, and uh, I did it three times in April, July, and then August, sort of resetting each time. And um, with each prediction, I ranked from 1 to 12, my most confident pick to least confident um, prediction, whether it was a winner or a loss for Nebraska. And um, Illinois, I sort of every all three times I did it, I chalked it up as almost an automatic loss for Nebraska because um, because of the way Illinois looked last year. They beat Nebraska three times in a row now. It's a road game on a Friday night. In the wise words of Steve Mark, it's it's weird. It's going to get weird. Let's get weird. So that yeah, those things sort of all add up, and um, I sort of like tossed away like, all right, well that's a loss. Uh, I think a lot of people on, on this beat um, uh, had predicted a, an Illinois win coming into the season, but the, the trajectory of this game, the picture of this game has changed, and it's a lot more winnable for Nebraska than at least I had anticipated coming into the season. Um, and it's, it's reflective in the, in the game line. I mean, Illinois is a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home uh, with 43-and-a-half with the over-under, but... Um, so they're expecting they're expecting an Illinois win, but with a line that close, it's not like you're an overwhelming favorite. And with with this game, like you guys said, this is, in my opinion, the the biggest swing game right now on Nebraska's schedule, given the way um, the opening of the season, the way the first five games have gone, with losing that heartbreaker against Minnesota and um, and losing to Colorado the following week when you that game was there for the taking, and now you got seven games left and if you're ranking them on on most winnable to least winnable i think this one's right there in the middle because you have northwestern um, purdue at michigan state hosting northwestern hosting um, purdue traveling to michigan state and then those i in my opinion i would rank those three in that order as the most winnable and least winnable would start with wisconsin then go up to maryland um, when you host them and then Iowa uh, to close the season. I think this Illinois game, in my opinion, is right there in the middle, like fourth out of the seven. So it's it's one of those could go either way games, but that's why they call it a swing game is because because this could uh, this could propel either team or sort of send them like send them more toward um, bottom of the barrel in the Big Ten West, but. It's not as if a uh, loser of this game, the season is over by any means, especially Nebraska because of the way that schedule lines up. But um, the hopes of ending a seven-year bowl drought would improve substantially if, uh, if they're able to pull this one out on the road. So with that, open it up for uh, four bowl predictions. Steve, uh, going to rattle off a couple numbers to know here about Illinois um, before you get going. Total offense is about 391 yards per game. They're seventh in Big Ten, 69th in 
the FBS scoring offense, 21.6, which is 103rd and second to last in the Big Ten. Total defense and scoring defense, 419 yards allowed per game, 30.6 points allowed per game, which are both last in the Big Ten um, and bottom third in the country. And turnover margin is minus 1.2, which is third to last in the Big Ten, 122nd in the FBS. So not a lot of not a lot of positive numbers for Illinois, I'm sure. For the most part, if I I rattled off the same type of numbers for Nebraska then or than the defense, I think those would all be um wouldn't be looking great for the offense for Nebraska either, but another team that doesn't turn it over and does give it away. Um as a little teaser for my bull prediction. Steve, you're first up. What do we got? Yeah, so my first uh my my bold prediction is Nebraska. I'm I try I'm trying to go bolder, guys. I'm trying to go bolder. Okay. So my first predi- my prediction is Nebraska will have two 100-yard rushers. Um when I look at when I watch um these games that Illinois has on on the schedule, I that defense is just not what it was last year and the offensive line wasn't what it was last year. So sticking with the defense, I think Nebraska is going to give Illinois' defense some trouble. Uh, Illinois has had trouble with the read runs with the quarterback and the run and the running back on through five games. Go watch that Toledo season opener. It was really awful um, for, for the Illini defense. They just didn't really seem well coached and it's a new D coordinator. It's a, it's a new uh, staff on, on defense because they all kind of migrated to Purdue. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I don't know, D- uh, Illinois, uh, you mentioned it, Zach, they're giving up 30 points per game last in the big 10. Their rush defense was really surprising was surprisingly bad because uh, Jerzon Newton, Keith Randall, the two all big 10, all American caliber guys in the middle. I've been really disappointed with their play so far. They're getting shoved around there. They don't look like they're playing hard. I wonder what's going on over there, but I just think that Nebraska um, has shown success in, in the zone read, just the read run type plays that Heinrich Harburg brings to the table. Uh, I think that that can have success in Champaign on Friday. Uh, Illinois is giving up 4.61 yards per carry on, on, on the rush defense. And that's second to last in the big 10 uh, Kansas rushed for over 200 yards. Purdue almost uh, rushed for 200 yards. Toledo almost got over 200 yards on the ground. The linebackers aren't very good. The DBs aren't very good at Illinois. I think Nebraska is going to have a big game on, on the ground. So I think two 100 yard rushers for the Huskers. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, man, that to see, how leaky Illinois defense has been shouldn't be a it's not a it's weird because it's yeah. not a huge surprise because they lost a very talented defensive coordinator and Ryan Walters to Purdue and a lot of that staff as he noted um kind of moved along with him um which is no surprise and why I think their defense now looks better um yeah. at Purdue um not a surprise at all there but you I'm with you on kind of those guys on the interior on that defensive line that you thought would continue to take step forwards regardless of the coach um but that may be just with the doctor order for Nebraska needs to get their rushing attack going um, once again. And I think it's, it's if you look at Nebraska and how they've evolved on offense as kind of this power spread, um, they should be pretty happy to be going against a team that has had troubles uh, with that. We'll see it once again if, if Harburg pitches the ball um, and kind of go from there. But my bowl prediction has nothing to do um, with any of that. It actually has to do with the freshman place kicker who this my I just realized just now that my bold predict this bold prediction actually gives away my winner uh for later but tristan alvano is one for five i believe or one for four sorry and kicks this season he's been he's been 
struggling, right? Um, there's been some calls, and I think there was a question this week um, about this and about whether or not you know that competition had opened back up. Um, to, and it was the questions both. It was either I think it was it was either Matt Rule or Satterfield. I know Ed Foley was asked about it on the radio last night um, as well, and his answer was more along the lines of, "Hey." Tristan is our kicker. Um, Timmy has been is a great teammate and has been helping him out to try and get better. Um, and the one thing that I would note on those Alvano kicks is that it's not a leg strength issue whatsoever. Like those kicks would have been good, all of them from deeper. Um, but it's just that, you know, the accuracy has been a thing. But I think my bold prediction is Tristan Alvano nails the game-winning field goal to send Nebraska to this uh, bye week, um, and he'll be the hero and get things rolling after this game. I think that he breaks through after this one. I actually think he'll, I'm not going to say the score right this second, but I think he's going to have some practice at some field goals uh, during this game. Uh, so yeah, Tristan Alvano gets his career rolling in a big way on the road in a Big Ten game that they've got to have. So we got a three-point shooting contest coming out for Nebraska and Tristan Alvano. That actually, Steve got the award for closest to almost getting a pregame prediction right. When we were <laughs> on the field at Minnesota, um, the la pretty much the last thing he said, we did a little like three, four-minute video um, from the stadium, and he said, uh, he pretty much said, like, I think this game is going to be the type of game where Tristan Alvano is going to be called on and uh, who knows, maybe he has a chance coming down at the last minute to kick a game-winning field goal in his first ever first ever college game. And it was the stars were aligning. Stars yeah, were aligning, and ne Nebraska was driving against Minnesota. And then uh, Jeff, or, uh, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff Sims forces a, a post pass, and Marcus Washington gets picked off, and we know the rest. So if we were handing out awards for, uh, for almost there, he gets the horseshoe award. We got a couple it. of them. A couple of them Steve has this year. We've yeah, all I, been I, pretty I, close. Once really or twice, but Jeff, Steve's the one that's uh, been consistently the closest. Jeff did not need to stare down Marcus Washington as hard as he did <laughs> on that play. It's like, come <laughs> on, I want my Alvano prediction. But anyway, yeah, moving on. Steve's actually 5-0 <laughs> and oh this year with picks. Uh, he picked Minnesota. He's the only one on the staff who's, who's undefeated right now. He had yeah. Minnesota, Colorado. Nebraska and their two wins in Michigan. So no pressure. This is probably the toughest yeah. one. Maybe the toughest yeah. one because it might be the most yeah. up in the air this year. But mm -hmm. as I transition really awkwardly into my own bowl prediction, uh, first up, some cleanup. I said turnover margin was minus 1.2. That's obviously the average for Illinois. They are actually tied with Nebraska for minus at minus six for their turnover margin. So uh, two teams who... Give it away. They are two very generous teams. Uh, they give it away and they don't take from you. So um, they're both tied for, um, I think it was 122nd. Yeah, 122nd in the country for turnover margins out of 132 teams. 100, 120, 130 teams listed in the stats I'm looking at. But I have some trivia time for you boys. Put your, put your thinking cap on, whether uh -oh. it's backwards, sideways, or frontwards maybe even upside down. There are two teams in the Big Ten who have lost more turnovers than Nebraska. Nebraska's lost 10. Can you name the other two? Indiana. <laughs> There's Indiana's two. a good guess. Indiana and, oh, it's not. Hmm. Northwestern. The idea Northwestern was going to be the team that I said, but I don't know. Northwestern's going to be 
man, they're going to like play well the rest of the season, I think. The answers are Michigan State. Michigan. Damn it. With, That's what I was, well, was going to change. Well, it. Well, it was Michigan yeah. State. I honestly, I'm not going to lie. I probably would have guessed Northwestern or Indiana, too. Just go. Yeah. If it's a bad Big Ten stat, like. I mean, they uh, fired their office Northwestern's actually playing pretty. So, Northwestern's, so playing pretty Northwestern's playing pretty well, all things considered. Yeah. So no, I, I think they're going to be. I think they're going to be tough. Yeah. I, I, uh, I don't know. Just yeah. That's the game that's become tougher than expected. Michigan State to me is because is the game that's easier. Well, they got the they we'll got the there. us against the world type thing going on inside that locker room. They know everybody's yeah. that matters a lot. And I so I mean it's a they're, it's a they're football playing cliche, pissed off. Yeah. I bet they play pissed off the rest of the season. That's good for them. And yeah. speaking of pissed off, that's what I think the Nebraska defense. That's the demeanor they've had um, yeah. all week. They yeah. they just seem like no nonsense. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, they had their. Fully padded, full full contact uh, practice on Sunday, which um, Steve, as you noted in your story yesterday after a press conference, uh, Ben Scott said he's never in his, <laughs> in his career had a full practice the day after the game, um, which uh, Phelan Sanford also talked about where I thought he gave, gave the best quote of the press conference where he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I saw a lot of guys were completely fine with it because we had a lot of uh, a lot of things to get off our our chest. Essentially, I can't remember the exact quote. It was, um, I just wrote it yesterday. Then he uh, also said, "We're going to learn who's one of us, and that's one of us." OOU is a rule mantra. So um, that was another. Um, I mean, Fallon Sanford was pretty good up there. You know, he said a lot of um, interesting. Sound like things. a sound like a future coach. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, he was a he was a captain for the Michigan game actually, and um, I, he's he's become one of my favorite. Him and John Bullock are my two favorite players to cover at a press conference. Just for, I mean, some people call it boring. I I like like their demeanor where they never change. They never they never rise above right here. They never get excited or um, or sad. I guess they never like show a negative or positive emotion. It's always even keeled and. Like a, an aura of, I don't give a shit about any of all this. Like, just let me go play football. When can we play again? That's sort of the demeanor. And Phelan Sanford is getting his first start, his first career start at safety on Friday against against Illinois. He um, he played a career high twenty seven snaps last week after Deshaun Singleton went down. Um, he had six, it was a season high and career high last year at Purdue against that pass happy offense. Um, with 62, but um, he's going to be a starter. He has the fewest snaps this year among defensive starters for Friday night with uh, with 66, um, and a lot of big things are called on from him. Um, but yeah, he said that the the practice. I found the quote. I've seen a lot of guys who are completely fine with it. We all understood, and we had some things that we wanted to get out of our system anyway. So. Um, I thought his his attitude, his demeanor was sort of encapsulated the the entire like all the defensive players who have gone up there. And Tony White, who um, called the Michigan defensive performance his performance his defense's performance against Michigan ridiculous um, after giving up forty five points and uh, four hundred thirty six total yards. I mean, Michigan worked them worked them up and down the field, um, and that's why this is. Relatively speaking, a get-right game for the defense. Illinois is not a, a opponent that's it's not an FCS school or a, a, a bad program by any means. Um, so, but it, relatively speaking, comparatively speaking to what you just face in Michigan, um, 
the defense has an opportunity to to get itself corrected this week and um i think it will i mean we've talked about it over and over or at least i have the the um the fact of the one thing missing in this defense is is the lack of takeaways the lack of forced turnovers and um like i said uh, illinois has 11 turnovers they're 119th in the country second to last in the big 10 luke altmeyer heat he honestly might be the best quarterback in the big 10 west ethan ethan minnesota quarterback ethan k steve give it to me pronunciation kaliak manis yes that guy he, <laughs> he has he's in the running tanner mordecai but i mean, you know i know the big 10 west isn't exactly loaded with the the nation's most elite quarterbacks but um luke altmeyer, altmeyer has a has a case for the to be the best quarterback in that division but still he's thrown five touchdowns seven interceptions this year um he threw four against penn state steve you were talking about how he's how he forced some things he lost a fumble yeah. that purdue uh purdue recovered for a touchdown so he's he's prone to those turnovers as he's sort of transitioning into a new offensive system um uh transferring over from Ole miss so um we've talked about before how those those turnovers nebraska had one each in the first four games and then none against against michigan I think they come in bunches when they do come, and I think they're gonna. I think those turnovers are coming Friday night. I have Nebraska forcing three turnovers, and if we're going more oddly specific, two interceptions, one sack fumble, because Altmaier's been sacked 18 times. That offensive line is vulnerable, and Nebraska had 14 sacks. They were tied fourth in the country um, going into the Louisiana Tech, having a sack in the last two games. So this is a prime opportunity to. Um, to make some noise in the backfield and rack up a few more of those and also get that get those takeaways help that offense out help out a struggling offense with better field position or maybe even a score which boom we're doing it pick six for Phelan Sanford talked about him so much figure might as well go with that he's gonna have a, a pick six to help the offense out and three overall takeaways for the defense Steve please Please take these these people's suffering away from from me rambling, and I want you to ramble now. Final score prediction. Bring it around. Oh, I enjoyed it. Um, final score. That's what I do rambling, man. Yeah. For my final score, I'm going against my own rule of uh -oh. no pun intended. No pun intended. Um, I'm going <laughs> against my own rule of picking Nebraska to win when they haven't shown that they can do it recently. And Nebraska and Illinois has won the last three games. So why in the world would I pick Nebraska to win this in a weird Friday night game on the road against a program they haven't beat in three years? Why would I do Fox, it? Baby. I have no, I have no idea why I'm doing it, but I'm just going to go with my gut. I think Nebraska is going to win this thing 28 to 24. It's going to be close. It's going to be down to the fourth quarter. I'm putting my faith and trust in Matt rule for no reason at all. <laughs> I just like the vibes. I, I liked how he, how he talked. And I know Matt rule is a good talker in, in the media. Um, when the cameras go on, he's really, really good with his words. I guess he won me over on Monday. I just think that he's going to make a difference. I get the feeling that he's going to make a difference with this team doing that Sunday practice, um, drilling it in their, in, in his, uh, players' heads that he wants them to play fast and physical and not worrying about making a mistake and being hesitant and, and not doing your job. Just go out, play 100 miles per hour, and if you make a mistake, do it going 100 miles per hour, and then he can live with that. So I, I just I have it in my gut. I think Nebraska is going to get out of there with a four-point win, 28-24. to 24. 
Man, it's interesting, Steve. How nice is it, though, now for everyone involved with this thing that when a head coach talks, you actually feel better about the program. Yeah. Like that's a it's a foreign thing, um, but it actually feels good. And I totally agree with you. This whole thing for me started then. It started when Matt Rule. Now, honestly, it started on Sunday, on Saturday. I'll say it. Go back to Saturday. The evolution of his press conference, Matt Rules, like from the kind of. I don't want to say too much. I don't want to throw anybody under the bus or make people mad to by the end of that press conference on Saturday after the game, I thought he was spitting some fire. And then yeah. he definitely came to that Monday press conference wanting to get some stuff off of his chest. Like you talked about the players needing to get some stuff off their chest in that practice. Matt rule definitely came there with the intention that he was going to send a message. And I think Tony white followed that up the next day with a very similar kind of deal at the mic where he also wanted to send a message. Like, I don't know that we, We've seen some different variations of Tony White at these press conferences now. We've noted that a couple of times, right? Um, but I don't know that we've ever seen him that upset at one of these press conferences. Um and I like, and the thing that I really like about both of them that I think is really good for the program as a whole is that they both took accountability for their portion of it, right? So Matt Rule talked about, hey, maybe I need to do a better job of getting the guys prepared um, to play hard. Or, you know, Tony White says, I have to do a better job of getting guys ready to play with their hair on fire. Like, I, I like that accountability from the top down so that it doesn't seem like, oh, they're just going out there mad and throwing players under the bus. We've seen that before, too. It doesn't work out well um, in that regard either. So I, I, I think that the tone for me was set by the coaching staff, starting with Matt rule on Saturday that I think they're going to have a bounce back. Now, all that being said, and now I feel bad in a way, or I'm questioning my actual score prediction, because I said that Tristan Alvano was going to kick a game-winning field goal. My score coming into this thing was 16-13 Nebraska. I'm going to stick with that for the fact that I, I went ahead and said it, and that's what I had written down. But I could see Nebraska scoring more than that. But the problem is, is I go back to what Steve was saying about picking them to do things that you haven't seen. Yeah. I want to pick them to score, you know, high 20s, low 30s, because Illinois' defense is vulnerable. But at the same time, like, I feel kind of ridiculous picking them to do that. Like, and there's no shade to y'all. Like, I, it just is, a, I feel weird doing it because we haven't seen it, though it wouldn't shock me. 16-13 Nebraska, Tristan Alvano is the new hero and gets to go into the bye week feeling good. Do they carry him off their shoulders at the end? <laughs> I hope he's a so, big guy, because that so would make, he's not that would make people mad. Small so I, I, <laughs> I hope so. Maybe yeah. he goes full Iowa kicker and like, like takes oh. a bow or blow a kiss. Blows a know? kiss to Bert? Oh, yeah. man. That Maybe like he shushes awesome. the crowd, Tom Spadoni Maybe. style. But I this like one it. would be on the road, so... Oh, and it'd work. I don't expect a raucous road atmosphere in Champagne on on Friday night, so maybe the crowd will be <laughs> hushed enough. Um, yeah, as, as is juice. like yeah, BYOJ, and like Steve said, could be a sleepy Friday night game. Um, but it's, I mean, if we're talking about predicting things that Nebraska hasn't done, you're talking about the guys who picked them to beat Colorado. So, I mean, we, me, and Greg both did, and we. Uh, as that's that's that up there great. for worst take of the year retroactively. <laughs> it, it really is. Like I, I we should own that. That but the yeah, thing is, is, the thing is, I stand by the analysis we had going into the game was sound because it was it was if they keep if they set their tempo and pace, if then they have a chance. And they did exactly that. Yeah, they did for a while. They just couldn't yeah, take care of the ball. Broke. And um, nobody could predict that Jeff Sims couldn't catch a snap. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, thank you, Steve. I mean, thanks for helping us. Yeah. 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 So yeah. you you guys are okay in my book. <laughs> so, uh, well, thanks, Steve. Because of that, yep. I'm also no problem, yeah, guys. Because of your support, I'm gonna <laughs> I feel better. I'm gonna predict Nebraska 17, Illinois 13. I just think it's I uh, agree with a lot of what you guys say. I just think it's gonna be a that classic, beautifully gross Big Ten West style football game. Let's get um, it. I mean, Illinois' defense, as we've gone over, is not not very good. Nebraska's offense is not very good. Which uh, which one's going to play out? Will and will Nebraska's defense have a bounce back game against a similar similarly struggling Illinois offense? Um, I just think it's safest to win a Big Ten West between two struggling teams. I think it's safest to go the low scoring sort of slugfest. Um, but a couple notes and that uh, set you up for any final thoughts is uh, this: the difference in this game compared to last year's is pretty startling with all the Illinois defensive numbers we ran through and um, Nebraska's defensive numbers last year coming into the game, Illinois had the number one scoring defense in the country. It was allowing 8.9 points per game um, and 220 total yards for number two and in total defense. And Nebraska's defense was the opposite. I just had the numbers in front of me, but, um, I don't think Nebraska fans even want or care to hear about how, how bad last, def- last year's defense was because it's a dawn of a new age um, in, in Nebraska. And speaking of that, speaking of those numbers and dawn of a new age, Illinois is still um, bringing, in along, bringing along a new defensive coordinator in Aaron Henry after Ryan Walters left for, for Purdue. And for your final thoughts, I wanted to get your guys' thoughts. I haven't asked you this before, but – um, something that like just randomly hit. I'll have random thoughts and takes uh, come across my head an hour before recording. I'm like, I'm going to workshop this. I'm going to take shop this, see what the guys say. With Tony White, he seems destined to become a head coach one day, and whether that's one day soon or down the road. And it, it seems like the, the buy-in and the belief in Tony White's very similar to what uh, Illinois had in Ryan Walters last year and then he went off to Purdue and everyone I think most people said Ryan Walters is a, is a future head coach I do feel like we're getting the similar similar vibes and um, future lining up for Tony White I do I think I, I when I look at Tony White when I listen to him and I see the impact that he's had so early in his tenure here um, you know I, I definitely see a future head coach with him um you know, I don't, I don't know if it's going to be after this season, um, but absolutely within, I don't know, five years or four, three, five years, something like that. I don't know. Um, he's just, I, I think he's the whole package. I think he's the whole deal. He cares about his guys and that goes a long way. He gets uh, kids to play hard for him. He just shows up in the off season, teaches them a brand new scheme that they've never done before. And they go out and they uh, have a great game against Minnesota. They, they have a great three and a half quarters against Colorado. Uh, they have, which are two uh, uh, drastically different offensive styles. Um, they shut out, they shut down Northern Illinois. I know it's a group, a group of five opponent, um, but they, they do okay against Louisiana tech with that. I know they um, didn't look great after the lightning delay, but it was a lightning delay. I, I didn't even want to be at the stadium after that. Who cares about that? No one wanted to be yeah, there. Exactly. We know, so. Steve, you said that your will to live had been like, God, I just did not. That was, that was brutal. Man. Lightning delays 
Oh my god, are awful. I actually but, have. I had a curveball for the lightning delay. I was actually happy because I had no idea. I did what get work done. I wanted to write, and I'm yeah. Like, work that did delay, get done. Was, I'm like, yeah. you know what? I know it. And I went back and like rewatched like half the half the offensive plays for yeah. Nebraska. Wrote out my my story. I'm like, all right, well, we got it done. Anyway, yeah. Continue. Yeah. Long story short, yes, uh, Tony White, future head coach. <laughs> I I'm absolutely agreeing with that. Yeah, 100. Um, I think uh three years is what i think um i do not i i would be surprised if it was like a one and done type of situation um even if they play even if they return to form of that kind of top 10-ish type of defense like i just think that there's a thing here that if you could build the defense here and you could do some more winning um that it, it is a bigger deal obviously to do that here than it is to do in illinois so the incentive to stay is better i don't know what ryan walters was being paid at illinois last year um but i'm gonna assume that it was not you know over a million dollars like tony white is being paid right now so they could continue to bump him like all of that sort of thing i just think i think that he'll be here for a little bit um but i do think that he's got future head coach written all over him and there's a couple of things he's obviously a great teacher but he's yeah. and maybe even more importantly, he's a really good communicator. Like the message with him to us even is always so consistent. And so I always find it like I always that always makes me think that when he talked to his players, that has to be part of the deal with why they've done such a good job of picking up what he's trying to teach them to then go do on the grass to steal his phrase. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I, yes, I absolutely think that he's a future head coach. And I think that people at Syracuse thought that when when he left to take the D.C. job at Nebraska. So, yeah, absolutely. It tells you a lot what Syracuse did after Tony White left. They hired Rocky Long, the guy who taught yeah. Tony White. So yeah. it's like they they're like, okay, we want to keep doing what Tony White did. Let's yeah. hire his mentor. So yeah. yeah, and and Syracuse is doing pretty pretty well. On yeah, they're still doing well. Sure. Yeah, that, that's actually now I was gonna say. I was gonna say the fan base's reaction when uh, Nebraska hired Tony White. It's like, come on, like anybody but him. Um, until but, you saw until I think that until people got to see him talk and then they were like oh okay this dude might know some stuff and then you're like still but I got some questions about this you know being able to stop the run whatever and then they've been doing what they were doing um so yeah I think those questions have kind of been answered now it's whether or not they can overcome the injuries and can continue to get backups ready I think that's a building storyline for the rest of the season which is why the bye week comes at just the perfect time for them it yeah. allows you to hold a full, full go padded practice on Sunday when you know the bye week is after your next game. Absolutely. I think that kind of played a little bit part of that too, just to send yeah. a message to the guys like, hey, ball out for one more week, then we can talk about the rest after on a bye week. I think yeah. that was get, part of it. Get in those cool recovery tubs. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Matt Rule had a rulegasm when Steve asked at a press conference a couple weeks ago, like, um, what, what makes Tony White such a good teacher? And he's just like, oh, God. Yeah, I love Tony White. And we, we talk about the, a, a team sort of adopting the head coach's um, personality. I think this defense is, has adopted Tony White's mentality, that demeanor. And um, like I said earlier, they look like a pissed off unit going into Illinois. Um, yep. But the, the Tony White, I, before I say this, I do, it does feel like it's going to be a three-year um, thing with him. I mean, get the man paid. He's, yeah, he's one of him and Satterfield are the two, first two million dollar coordinators in Nebraska history, but who cares? Keep paying him if he's, if he's getting the job done. Um, I, it, I get the sense that it's going to be a three-year project, that that's what Tony White, like minimum is going to want to do. It's what he did at Syracuse. But um, I know, I know people probably get sick of me bringing up the Ohio state days, but my first year on the beat there, it, it is somewhat reminiscent of 
2018 Ohio State, the year before I got there, their defense was awful. And then Jeff Halfley comes in as a co-defensive coordinator, along with Greg Madison, who they hired from Michigan. And uh, they completely turned that defense around. I mean, having Chase Young and Jeff Okuda, Jordan Fuller, Damon (laughs) Arnett, like having first round picks. Yeah, yeah. having having three first round draft picks on defense and then like four or five other um, second, third rounders obviously helps. But um, they they flipped that defense around and halfway it was supposed to be a two year deal. Like that was what Urban Meyer and Ryan Day asked their coordinators, give me a minimum of two years before moving on to another opportunity. But after one year of turning that defense around, he, uh, he left for the Boston College head coaching job. And I always think, I mean, Boston College like came out of the gate pretty, pretty strong, um, all things considered, in Halfley's first couple of years there. And now things are turning south. And I, I always wondered, like, if he had just done one more year there, not just what Ohio State's defense would have looked like, but what sort of jobs could he have potentially mm-hmm essentially earned if he had done two or three years at Ohio State rather than just one. So um, I'm sure those are all th- factors being considered and Tony, Tony White's long-term future. But I honestly don't think he's thinking about any of that right now. I really do think he's uh, um, one step at a time. Nothing matters but what's right in front of me right now. I mean, um, I say it in this, this industry all the time. Like, if you want to eventually get here and cover the – whatever the new england patriots but you're a you're a high school volleyball writer you have to dominate that beat you have to dominate the high school volleyball beat before you get to that next step you have to focus on what's right in front of you now and um then eventually you could potentially get there and climb that ladder i think that's what we're going to be looking at with tony white but um looking toward the long-term future short-term future i think his defense is going to play really well on friday so um, before we get out of here, any last thoughts? Rapid fire, 30 seconds or less. Not for me. I'm good. No, I'm I'm good. That'll I think do. we got I got everything off my chest. That'll do. All right. Well, we record this on Wednesday. We're uh I'm about to head over to Matt Rule's press conference for lightning round today. We'll see what he has um in store. And you can uh check this out. You can check out our other bull predictions at insidenebraska.com. We have a different one. Um, in our written version compared to compared to the video and expand on them a little bit so again insidenebraska.com you can check that out encourage you guys to like this video subscribe to the inside nebraska youtube channel and the inside nebraska podcast on apple Podcasts and spotify so you can get those dropped directly into your feed so for steve mark who will be um, boots on the ground in champagne on friday coming back saturday um, so we'll have coverage for you over there in, in champagne at, at the other memorial stadium So once again, for Steve Mark, Greg Smith, I'm Zach Carpenter, and we'll catch you guys again next time.